Lord, we want to follow you, but often we don't know how. So I ask that you would use the words that you speak to us in the Bible, use the thoughts that will be in our minds to help us understand how we can follow you better. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to say hello to those of you in the narthex. It is uh, a ton of you out there today. It's great to have you with us. And uh, as I've done the last couple of weeks, just before I preach, I want to again extend an invitation to the men in the congregation to come to men's fraternity. You only have to listen to this commercial one more time after this. So uh, October 9th, it starts Tuesday mornings, 6.30 to 7.55. We will meet about 20 times between October and March. And this is a program that I am adapting that's worked well in other churches, and it's designed to help us look at some of the things that keep us from being the men that God created us to be, and then move ahead to figure out from the Bible how we can be better husbands, fathers, boyfriends, leaders, you name it. also want to encourage you younger guys to come, 20s, 30s, 40s. I think this is particularly applicable in that stage of life. All men are welcome, uh, but this would be also a chance for younger guys to meet other younger guys in the church. So far, about 200 of you have signed up, um, which is great for us. Uh, a lot of uh, older guys and a lot of younger guys. and well, I shouldn't say older, uh, wiser guys. And <laughs> a lot of younger guys as well. So it's a great age spread. And I know some of you have said, oh, you know, I'm busy. And I understand that. I know you're busy. I, I understand busy. I, I'm busy too. I am the CEO of a $5.8 million nonprofit corporation with 100 employees. 4,000 customers, a board of directors of 35, a wife and three kids, and i got to give a speech to the lot of them every single week, and I'm going to be there. What was your excuse? (laughs) And as for how early it is, guys, two words for you, man up. You can get up early 20 times this year to be a better man. You don't have to sign up, but it helps us plan if you do. So please sign up in the back. The sermon. A friend of mine recently told me about a family that he knows that was having a dinner time conversation together about what they would do with a million dollars to help other people. And they said things like, well, we, you know, we try to end AIDS or build hospitals, things like that. And then they turned to their middle school son and said, Michael, if you had a million dollars, what would you do with it? And he said, if I had a million dollars, I would end world puberty. (laughs) I think he meant poverty. But if you think about it, he's on to something, isn't he? Right? Like, wouldn't that just be better for everyone if you went from 10 years old to 20 and just skip everything in the middle? I mean, I think we should take up a collection. You You would contribute. That's kind of a metaphor for how I live my life. I am always looking for the shortcut, the fastest, easiest way to get where I'm going. And that's why the verse we just read irritates me. The context is that the Israelites have been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. Imagine if we as Americans had been slaves since 1607, how we feel. But then God tells Moses to lead the people out of slavery, out of Egypt, and Pharaoh says, no way, so God zaps him with ten plagues. Pharaoh cries uncle, changes his mind, and lets him go. But then he changes his mind again, and Pharaoh sends his army after the Israelites. And that's the context for this verse. And then this verse that says that God didn't take them the direct route to the promised land. Instead, he led them the long way around, 
And what's worse, a few verses later, he tells them to make camp right by the sea. Okay, God didn't go to West Point. Because when an army is chasing you, making camp by the sea is not a good strategy. And we know how the rest of the story goes. God parts the Red Sea so the Israelites can go through. And then he drowns Pharaoh's army all so that Cecil B. DeMille could later make a great movie about it. And then the Israelites wander in the desert for 40 years looking for the promised land. Now that's not 40 years wandering in Tahiti because that could be kind of cool, right? We're talking 40 years in the desert. It was only a journey of about 200 miles. It should have taken them a month tops, but it took 40 years. Now, I've had a couple of women tell me that's because Moses was a man and wouldn't ask for directions. (laughs) But I think it's more spiritual than that. (laughs) Do you ever feel like God is taking you the long way around through a desert? Maybe it's some kind of career goal you've had and and it's just out there, but it just seems to be taken forever. Or maybe it's a relationship with a parent or a child or a friend or or a spouse and, and you want it to get better, but it just seems to be taken forever and ever. Maybe you're waiting to get married and that seems to be taken forever. Or maybe it's a a habitual sin of some kind, a chemical addiction, a sexual addiction, excessive anger, and you've prayed and asked God to help you overcome it, and maybe there's been some progress, but man, it just seems slow. Does it ever feel like God is taking you the long way around through a desert? Now, it needs to be said that sometimes it's not God that takes us the long way around. Sometimes it is. But sometimes it's just our own sinful choices that slow us up emotionally or spiritually or uh, socially. But whether it's God that does it or whether it's our own sinful choices that cause it, God can use the detours in our lives to change our lives. For starters, the long way makes us mature. You know, in life, we are like little kids on a trip, aren't we? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? How about now? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? But God is more interested in who we become than where we end up and how fast we get there. He's interested in our character not our destination. In this verse, there's a reason that God takes the Israelites the long, through the long detour. Because they're not ready for the promised land. They've been slaves for 400 years. They have a slave's mentality. They have no army, no system of government, no cohesive culture. They, they have no knowledge of how to grow crops. They don't really even know God. And if they had gone the shortcut route and encountered the inhabitants, the Philistines, without any army, without any government, they would have been annihilated. They're not ready. The detour matures them. They gain all those things in the desert. You know, in the Bible, whenever God wants to develop a leader or develop someone's character, he takes them to the desert. The Israelites wander for 40 years in the desert. David spends time in the desert. Elijah spends time in the desert. Jesus spends 40 days in the desert. The desert has been too good for too many people for too long to be all bad. The desert has been too good for too many people for too long to be all bad. This verse can change your life because it teaches us to welcome the detours, to welcome the long way around. Because in it, we know that God is doing something in us. He's growing something in us. He's maturing us. He's changing us. In fact, one of the things God may be changing is our very idea of what the promised land is. Which often for us is an accolade or a goal or a relationship. But God's promised land is always our character. It's all we take into heaven. 
I went through two periods in my life where I was single. And a prayer that helped me in those times was, Lord, as I wait, make me the man you want me to be. And make me the man that my future wife is going to need. You know, make me the kind of man that she'd even be attracted to in the first place. Which I know could take some time, so I'll be patient, right? <laughs> and then I'd pray for my future wife, even though I didn't know her name. And I'd say, Lord, bless her and help her grow to become the woman you created her to be. Give her the strength she's going to need to be able to deal with me. And then I'd pray, and Lord, if what you have for me is a rich, full, wonderful life without marriage, well then develop that in me too and get me to the place where I can embrace that with joy. Is God taking you the long way around? Welcome it. It means you're not ready for whatever promised land is out there. Your character isn't ready or there's something that you don't know yet. Or the thing that you're waiting for isn't ready. The, the, the spouse you're waiting for, they're not ready for you yet. Or the job that you're, that you're waiting for, it's not ready to, to go to the places you're going to take it. And as you wait, pray this prayer. This prayer can change your life. Pray this prayer over and over. Lord, what are you trying to teach me? Show me. Another way that the long way around changes our lives is it forces us to face our biggest fears and issues. And see that God is more powerful. You know, if Israel had escaped Egypt without this little incident at the Red Sea, they never would have had to confront their deepest fear, Pharaoh and Pharaoh's army, and see that God was more powerful. You know, a lot of times we want the shortcut route, but the shortcut doesn't force us to confront our deepest issues, our, our, our deepest fears. You know, we want the relationship to get better, but we're not willing to go through the hard work to get it there, to confront what's wrong, to look at our own selves and see the ways that we've contributed to the problem. We want the addiction to go away, but we really don't want to look at the pain that caused us to turn to the addiction in the first place. The long way can change our lives because rather than just put a band-aid on our problems, it forces us to look at the deeper issues and the deeper fears and see that God is more powerful and that Pharaoh isn't as scary as we think he is. The long way matures us, forces us to confront our deepest fears and issues. And finally, the long way shows us the power of God. You know, again, if the Israelites had just taken the shortest way to the promised land, they never would have seen God part the Red Sea. They would have missed that miracle. That really, that's a big miracle, right? They would have missed it. More than that, they never would have seen how God can take the very thing that threatens us and turn it into the thing that delivers us. In this story, the, the thing that the, one of the Israelites' problems is this sea that they're backed up against, right? But that problem becomes the very thing that delivers them and destroys their enemies because God uses the sea to drown Pharaoh's army. The thing that is your problem in the desert can become the thing that delivers you. Over the last couple of months, I've talked with several couples whose marriages have been restored after just some of the most brutal things, adultery, Years of emotional detachment, lying. And in all those cases, it took years, not months, years to put those marriages back together. But in all of those cases, the result was totally transformed people. <clears throat> in one marriage, the, the man in that marriage was kind of a high control kind of guy. In fact, that was one of the problems in the marriage. He tried to control his wife, control God, everything. And when his marriage started to go south, he prayed, Lord, change my wife, change her behavior, change her mind, change her heart. But after years of praying that and not, and not really helping, he decided to stop trying to control God. And instead, he started to pray this, Lord, show me your will and give me the courage to do it. 
And he said as soon as he stopped trying to control everything, including God, and, and just let go and prayed that prayer, that was the minute God stepped in and began to heal their marriage. And now he's at learning to have courage to change the things he can change, peace to accept the things he can't change, and wisdom to know the difference. And the thing that he thought would undo him, the problems in his marriage, became the very thing that made him stronger, grew his character, and got him closer to God. Now, God didn't cause these marriages to go south. God doesn't do that. These people got on that detour all on their own. But God used it to grow their character and bring them closer to Him. And to force them to confront the real issues, the deep fears, the deep issues. And see that God was stronger. And see that the very thing that was threatening them became the thing that could deliver them. And through that, they've seen the power of God. And none of that transformation could have happened in a day or a week or a month. That took time. The long way was better, even though it was harder. The long way can change our life if we embrace it. And if we pray, Lord, what are you trying to teach me here? Show me. And then confront our deepest fears and issues, and in time, we'll see God's power. <clears throat> you know, one of the lies that our culture tells us is, you've got to get ahead, and you've got to get ahead as quickly as possible. And boy, you better have your 20-year plan, because time's a-wasting, and you need to get on with it. You need to get into that college. You need to get that job. You need to get that retirement account. You need to get that accolade, get that relationship, get that new car, get that house, get that promotion, get that achievement. You've got to get that. You've got to get that fast. So boy, you better get on with it, because time's a-wasting, and you better have your plan. Folks, that is the lie of the devil. That is the lie of the devil. And it comes from hell. What God says is, it's not the destination that matters. It's who we become along the way. So you see, we don't need a plan. We need a guide. And his name is Jesus. And if we're following him, we're never lost. You know, until just a few years ago, I had constant career anxiety because I couldn't figure out what I wanted to be. Professor, pastor, I just couldn't figure it out. And for nearly two decades, I would pray, God, show me, guide me, teach me, clear up this fog, help me decide what is it I'm supposed to do. I definitely took the long way to here. In fact, I sometimes joked that I couldn't have picked a more circuitous route even if I had tried. You know, like if at 18 I'd said, let's see. I want to be pastor of a really cool church by the time I'm 40, so that means that I should spend most of high school in the party scene so I could easily be voted least likely ever to become a pastor. That'll help. <laughs> then I should move in with my girlfriend, then move out, then spend a year in community college trying to undo the damage I did to my GPA in high school so I can get into a college. Then I'll spend almost 20 years not deciding on a career. That's a good idea. And you know what? It would be even better if during that time I also ping-ponged back and forth between two different careers, but never actually did either of them. You know, start out to be a professor and then go to seminary to be a pastor, but then change my mind and go back to trying to be a professor, only to decide in the end that I actually do want to be a pastor. And I want to be a senior pastor by the time I'm 40, so let's make that decision really late into my 30s. And then do college ministry, but only for a little while, so that if a search committee ever does come along looking for a senior pastor, I will have absolutely no relevant experience for the job. <laughs> oh, and along the way, make sure to get divorced, because churches love that. <laughs> I could not have planned this thing worse, even if I had tried. And some of that was God taking me the long way, and some of that was my own sin. 
But I still got where God wanted me to be. I did not have a plan. Lord knows I didn't. But I had a guide. And his name is Jesus. And at every twist and turn, and at every detour, all those long ways around, every time, God was there, growing my character. Divorce taught me to be more compassionate. And it showed me the power of God to bring life out of death. And the long way has forced me to look at some of my deepest issues and fears. Ministry has forced me to look at all the fears and phobias that prevent me from leading. And through it all, I have seen God's power all throughout my life. So where do you feel like you are on a detour through the desert? Will you embrace it? And will you pray, Lord, what are you trying to teach me here? Show me. And then will you face the deep fears and issues inside of you instead of run away from them? And you will see the power of God. I love the words to the hymn that we just sang and that we're going to sing. He leadeth me, O blessed thought, O words with heavenly comfort fraught. Where'er I go, where'er I be, and that includes detours through the desert, it's still God's hand that leadeth me. Sometimes mid scenes of deepest gloom, sometimes where Eden's bowers bloom, by water still over troubled sea, it is still God's hand that leadeth me. He leadeth me, he leadeth me, by his own hand he leadeth me. His faithful follower I will be, for it is God's hand that leadeth me. And he knows where he's taken you, even if you don't. Lord Jesus, help us to follow you, even when we're not quite sure where you're going. And Lord, help us to wait on you and to ask, Lord, what are you trying to teach us? And and then please show us so that we can become the people you are trying to make us. And Lord, we'll give you the glory. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.